Good morning and welcome again to Trinity Heights Virtual Service. This week we're in our second part of our new series in Corinthians. Remember all the problems and divisions we mentioned last week that were going on in the Corinthian church? Let me quickly review them for you because this is the reason that prompted the occasion of Paul writing this letter. There were divisions over moral conduct with various forms of sexual immorality. There were legal disputes where church members were taking other church members to court and suing each other. There were class divisions where the poor were being humiliated by the rich. There were divisions around the cult of personality where some people were attaching some sort of status to themselves because they followed certain leaders. And there was a sort of spiritual class system emerging where the divisions was, were between those who practiced certain spiritual gifts and, between, and those who didn't. And there was division over whether or not you should eat meat bought at the market but previously sacrificed to idols. And if you remember, we said that Paul doesn't only address each specific issue with specific directions, but as we said last week, Paul starts by drawing them a map. It's a map which tells them where they are in relationship to God and the rest of the world, where they are in relationship to God and each other. It's also an historical map which shows them where they are in relationship to God and the flow of human history. We'll look at all of those in turn in the coming weeks, but today we're going to start by considering that first category, their relationship to God and how this shapes their relationship to the rest of the world. So Paul begins his letter like this. He says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sothenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Some translations uh, don't just talk about being sanctified in Christ Jesus, but they use the word saints, to the saints in Christ Jesus. Now, considering all the ugly divisions and problems that plague this church, it's startling that Paul begins this letter by calling them sanctified or, or saints in any way. He calls them saints, and he says they are called to be holy. Saints does not, as it came to be in later Christian usage, refer to a few special uh, holy righteous individuals who are depicted in Christian art, with usually with halos. Rather, all the members of the community were considered or called saints or sanctified. And these saints or sanctified people are called to be holy. Saints, sanctified, called to be holy. These are all ways of making the same point. In a sense, Paul is sort of repeating himself here. He, he's saying you're a people who are set apart in Christ Jesus and you are called to be a set apart people. Maybe we can make better sense of it if we were to say you've been set apart as a people and the purpose you have been set apart for is itself special and unique. In chapter 6, he repeats this claim. He says, you were sanctified or, or set apart. The idea of a people who are called and chosen and set apart is an idea that appeared long before Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. In the Old Testament, Israel was addressed this way. 
the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy or set apart, sanctified. You shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So Paul, as a Jewish Christian, is taking this language which was applied to Israel and he's applying it to the church. They are in special relationship to God, called by God for a special purpose. We might want to stop here and ask ourselves, do we, do we think of ourselves this way as a community? Or would you even feel comfortable thinking about yourself or our community in this way? Because of course, this is a dangerous thing to say, and it has often been misunderstood first by Israel and then misunderstood by the church. So what does it mean to be set apart, sanctified, saints? Last year, the founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, was the richest man in the world. Now, in a normal year, he usually makes about two to five billion dollars a month. But 2020 hasn't exactly been a normal year for any of us. And in the first month of lockdown, he made somewhere in the region of $25 billion in a 30-day period. Sometimes I feel I should order something from Walmart just to help the little guy. So Bezos belongs to this exclusive club of the richest people who have ever lived. Other members of the club include names you'll recognize. John D. Rockefeller, who controlled about 90% of American oil business. Andrew Carnegie, who controlled the steel industry. And William the Conqueror, whose wealth came from the spoils of war. But these people, we could say, are set apart in a special class of their own. Quite separate, and we might even say quite out of touch with the rest of us. As we would be if we had that kind of wealth. What does it mean to be set apart? Sometimes I think that Christians have given the impression to the world around them that we see ourselves as a spiritual equivalent of Bezos, as if sainthood and holiness conferred a privileged status which allowed people to be holier than thou, smug, superior, and ultimately out of touch. But this is precisely the misunderstanding that the prophets of Israel fought against, and it is precisely this misunderstanding that the church must fight against too. And so Paul provides plenty of metaphors which can help us avoid this sort of twisting or, or misconstrual of what he's talking about. Throughout the letter, Paul uses a number of very powerful metaphors to describe the special purpose which they have been set apart for. He says to the Corinthians, you are God's workmanship. You are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's people. You are God's temple. Let's just consider the idea of the temple for a moment. The temple was set apart as the place where God made his presence in a special way. It was sanctified, holy. It was, if you like, the bridge between heaven and earth. The place where these two dimensions, which have been ripped apart, still touched in a unique way. And it reminded Israel that God had not abandoned Israel, and God had not abandoned humanity or the earth. And in this metaphor, Paul is essentially moving the center of gravity away from the physical temple 
which was still standing at the time when he was writing, to the community of the church. And so to call the church the temple is to say, you are the ones as a community where God will now make his presence in a special way. He'll do it through you. You as a community are the bridge between heaven and earth. You are the place where these two dimensions that have been ripped apart still touch. You are the reminder to the world that God has not abandoned the earth and he has not abandoned humanity. This is what Paul means when he calls them saints, when he says that we've been set apart. It's not set apart as in detached and separate from people and the world around us, but set apart for the purpose of drawing closer to people in order to draw them closer to God and to each other. And so in the face of all the ugly division in the community, Paul knows it's partly because they don't understand their vocation, their calling as God's people. Because people who are convinced that they are the bridge between heaven and earth, who are convinced that God wants to make his presence known to the world through them in a special way, people who know this, that this is their vocation, would never be behaving this way. So Paul's first move as he addresses their problems is to remind them of this calling. It's not about having a privileged status over and against the rest of the world. We're set apart, in fact, to serve the rest of the world in the way that the temple served Israel. So if Bezos is not our analogy, let me offer uh, an alternative. Ever since the global pandemic started, we've become aware of another group of people. At first, we thought of the doctors and nurses, but we soon became aware that there were janitors and drivers and public transport workers, police and fire departments, the delivery people, the grocery store workers, the people who deliver our food, who keep the city going. While the rest of us stayed at home, working on our laptops or whatever, these other people have been out there in the stores and hospitals and on the streets, sometimes with a lack of personal protective equipment, risking their lives on our behalf. And so we've clapped and we've cheered every night at 7 p.m. And we banged on pots to show our appreciation for all those people. People who are set apart in a special category all of their own, which we have called essential workers. In the midst of this crisis, they are called, they are set apart for this essential purpose. And I think this is more in line with what Paul had in mind when he calls the church saints. So I'm deeply encouraged to know that members of our congregation have given generously so that we've been able to help members of our wider community, for example, friends who run the different coffee shops that we frequent, who've been out of work at this time. And several of those people have written back saying that this gift has helped them tremendously, just as they felt their backs were against the wall and they weren't sure what they were going to do next. One of them even said, your church members are like angels to us. And another said it made them feel that God had not forgotten them. Small gestures. But these small gestures like this have been that reminder for these people of God's presence, that bridge between heaven and earth. And it's not just been materially, but relationally as well. Some of you have faithfully got on the phone every week and spent time talking to an elderly person in our wider community. For people who already feel isolated, you have been that place where heaven touches earth and they know they have not been abandoned. 
And now in the face of tensions that are riding high across racial lines, political lines between civilians and law enforcement, in the midst of this, I've received emails from several people who are working hard to try to think, how, how do we love people who disagree with us? Well, when all of these things happen, I think, yes, this is what it means for the church to be set apart for a special purpose. This is what Paul means when he addresses his letter to the saints in Christ Jesus. Maybe this week we can think about how we, as a community and as individuals, are going to be that bridge between heaven and earth, telling the world around us, God has not abandoned the earth. God has not abandoned humanity. God has not abandoned you. Amen.